You know, it's interesting, I don't know how many times, you know, this week as I'm preparing this message, I was aware of, you know, listening to the news and, and that of hearing the word chaos used to describe this aspect of our culture or that aspect of our culture or just our, our culture in general. And um, um, so that's what we're talking about in this series. And I want to, before I go any farther, I'd like to just stop and, and, and just pray and ask God's presence to open our, our, our ears and our hearts as we receive this word today. So Father, we ask for your presence to come and just rest on us as we listen to your word, as we look into your word and see the things that you want us to see. Lord, we open our ears, we open our hearts to you and say, come and speak to us, Lord. Let us hear what you want us to hear. Let us receive what you want us to receive. Impart, Lord, things that you have for us today. Holy Spirit, come and anoint this time together with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we're talking about standing firm in a, or or, or holding on in the culture of chaos, standing your ground. And Um, Last week, we looked at the chaos that we just open up the door and invite into our life, right? Because every one of us has those, uh, has that, excuse me, every one of us has areas where we just open the door and invite chaos into our lives. You know, every one of us has a, uh, uh, every one of us has those areas where we just invite it. We say, come on, come on, chaos, and we, we just invite that in our lives. Through things we do, uh, through you know, actions, through decisions, uh, uh, you know, choices we make, we all have that. So um, to this week, we're going to look at a different kind of chaos. We're going to look at just the general chaos that we encounter as we go through life and things happen that we didn't ask for, that we didn't open a door to it, we just smack dab, run right into it as we walk through life simply because this world is broken. Have you noticed that? How many notice this world doesn't work the way it should? It's broken, okay? And, and that, you know, so we're surrounded by a, a, a level of chaos just with that. We keep running into things. Oh, thank you. And my throat thanks you. Hot water, good. All right. Well, um, Gene Kerr is a, is a humorist who wrote the book, ever hear of the book, Please Don't Eat the Daisies, written by Gene Kerr? Okay, uh, Gene Kerr said this, if you can keep your head when all others, if you can keep your head when all about are losing theirs, it's just possible that you haven't grasped the situation. You know, and uh, I, I thought that was humorous, coming from that humorist. Um, but anyway, this morning we're going to talk about how we can you know, understand our situation and how to respond to the chaos, how to both understand and how to respond to the chaos around us. And we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 27. Um, We're not going to read the whole chapter this morning, so I encourage you sometime today after you get home, just sit down and read it front, you know, from, from start to finish. Acts chapter 27. This morning, I just want to sum up the story first. It's a perfect example of Paul, the Apostle Paul, standing firm in the middle of the chaos of a shipwreck. Now, I say the chaos of a shipwreck. Anybody ever watch or ever see, and I know this is dating me, the uh, Poseidon Adventure? Remember that? Okay. 
Any, or was that redone recently? It was. Okay. I'm talking about the original. Anyway, uh, what about uh, the movie came out several years back, The Perfect Storm? Remember that? That's kind of the picture I want you to get in mind as we're going through this. Think, think about that, because you may feel like your life is a perfect storm right now. You may feel like your life is a shipwreck right now. Well, <clears throat> here's what happened. Paul is be, Apostle Paul is being transported to Rome as a prisoner. All right, He's a prisoner. He's going to Rome in order to appear, to appear before Caesar. You know, he'd been charged, he'd, he'd, he was on trial, and the, 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 the Jews were so enraged against him, you know, he wasn't getting anywhere, so he said in, in Roman court, he said, I appeal to Caesar. And that meant, okay, everything stops here, and he's going to Rome to appear before Caesar to make his case there. <clears throat> so he's being transported as a, as a, a prisoner. Luke, just kind of a side note, who wrote the book of Acts, is with him. Okay, we know that because as you read through the chapter, you'll start, you know, instead of, uh, of seeing the pronoun, you know, he or they, you start all of a sudden seeing we. You know, we did this. This happened to us. You know, we. And, and that tells you that Luke was with him. So the reason I bring that up is that, you know, it's not just Paul telling Luke and then Luke telling us. We have this account from an, from an eyewitness account, Luke himself, who wrote the book. He's telling us this. So we have it from, on, from an eyewitness account. So they set sail, and you know, along the way, they've got several scheduled stops to make, and they start making those. At one point, the weather started getting rough and slowed them down quite a bit. Now, another picture you might get. Does anybody have another picture in their mind when I say the weather started getting rough? Gillingham's Island, yes, Gillingham, that, that, that's it, you know. Um, <clears throat> anyway, weather starts getting rough. You can picture that uh, if, if you want. And um, uh, it was getting to the point where it was da- getting dangerous to travel, you know. And in one of their stops, Paul spoke up and he spoke to the officer in charge of the prisoners, you know, and, you know, warning him, look, you're going to face, you know, real danger if, if, you, if we continue on. We're going to face some real danger if we don't stop here and we continue on. But the ship's captain uh, wanted to continue because the harbor that they were in was exposed and, and it wasn't really a good place to settle in for the winter. So they decided to sail on. And Paul gets carried along with them because he's the, the prisoner. Soon the weather really started getting rough. And they were now in big trouble. They were, it was so rough, they were now in danger of losing the ship, the cargo, and all 276 people on board. Now picture that, you know, talk about a chaotic situation. No one knew how to handle it, no one knew what to do. They were all, you know, in confusion, they were in chaos, they were panicking. And then Paul steps forward. And as we work through the story, we're going to begin with three observations about chaotic situations that we can draw out of this story, okay? If you want to be the kind of person who can stand strong in a culture of chaos, if you want to be the one who keeps their head on straight when everyone else is losing theirs, there's three general truths that you've got to keep in mind. And the first thing to remember is this, the chaos will never fix itself. And neither can you count on others to do it for you. 
The chaos will never fix itself, and neither can you count on others to do it for you. See, problems rarely, if ever, just go away on their own. And ignoring a problem doesn't make it go away. It just allows it to grow worse. And as the ship sailed into the storm, they couldn't just cross their fingers and hope that this storm was going to somehow calm down and go away. For one thing, it was the season of storms. Another thing was the intensity of storms, uh, 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 of the storm that they were in. They couldn't just hope it away. They needed a plan, and they needed to take action, but they just weren't willing to do it. And as the ship sailed into troubled waters, Paul warned them in verse 10, this is going to be disastrous. He said, look, if you continue on, this is going to be disastrous. He wanted them to put the brakes on the storm. He wanted them to spend the winter where they were because he saw what was coming. And because at that time of year, he knew it was only going to get worse. Okay, it, it's, it, it, it wasn't going to be a good, a, a pretty sight. And then he writes in verse 11, Luke writes in verse 11, but the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Let me give you three phrases. Look at, look at or point out at least just three phrases that I want us to notice. First one is number nine, verse 9. We'd lost a lot of time. Just that little phrase, we had lost a lot of time. Isn't that what happens when all around you is chaos? Isn't that what happens when you're in chaos and confusion? You're losing time. You're not going anywhere. You're not moving ahead. You're not making any progress. You're just standing still, not moving. You're stuck. You ever been in that place? And you're stuck, and, and it's, it's because of the, just all the stuff that's going on around you that you're immersed in the midst of. Next one, verse 15. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. They couldn't turn in the wind, so they just gave up. They just let it. I mean, how many times have we been in that situation? where we just give up and let the problem drive us along. We're too tired to fight back anymore. We're exhausted. The thing that we're fighting is too big for us. We're discouraged to, to, uh, too discouraged to resist it. So we just let the chaos that surrounds us drive us along with it, and we go wherever it takes us. It's like being in the ocean and being caught in a riptide. You can't swim against it. You can't swim against a riptide. Third phrase is found in verse 12. Paul had told the leaders what they needed to do, and Luke writes in verse 12, and since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on. The crew wanted to go on, let's find a safe place, let's find a good harbor. We, we, you know, we can go. There are certain situations, especially crisis situations, where the majority of people is the last group that you want to listen to. The crowd is the last group that you want to listen to. They or everybody else is the last group that you want to listen to. There, see, there are several times. You think about the Israelites coming out of Egypt and going to the Promised Land. There are several times, as Moses led the Israelites, that if he had listened to the crowd they would have turned about face and gone right back into Egypt, 
right back into slavery, right back under the oppression, if he would have listened to the crowd. There are times when we have to stand alone against the tide of public opinion, and we have to choose to do what we know is right rather than what everyone else thinks is right rather than what everyone else is saying is right. What we have to go with what we know is right. See, chaos will never fix itself. And most of the time, you know, you can't count on the majority crowd to fix it for you. You can't just go with, you know, the public opinion or the majority. So what can we do? <clears throat> what? Individual. You got to stand up as an individual that you know God's what God is saying and and say that. So, number two, second observation: acknowledge that God is in control of even the most out of control situations. God is in control of even the most out of control situations. God is not the author of chaos; He's the redeemer of chaos. God is not the author of disorder and destruction. He's the redeemer of disorder and destruction. In today's story, we see how Paul reminded, uh, uh, his, reminded his fellow passengers that regardless of how things may appear on the surface, God's the one that's in control. And, and when things were at their worst, God gave a word to Paul, spoke to Paul, and he passed on, which he passed on to everyone else, Saying, you know, so take courage. First of all, it's, it, it's interesting how many times Scripture tells us to take courage, to not be afraid. I was reading this morning in Joshua chapter 1. I think five times in that, in that chapter alone we hear, you know, don't be afraid or take courage or some form of that. Because how many times do we face life situations where fear comes on us and we begin to panic we begin to, to, you know, to, to draw back, and instead we need to be bold, and we need to be courageous, and we need to step forward. So it, 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 he says in verse 25, so take courage, for I believe God. It'll be just as he said. Or the NIV says, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. It's easy to, to, to lose courage and lose faith in, in chaotic situations, isn't it? You find that it's easy to, to, you know, in a chaotic situation to lose your courage and lose your faith. It takes effort and it takes resolve to maintain courage. And then Luke tells us in verse 35, he says, then, then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all. And, and what I want to point out is this. In order to maintain courage and faith, you've got to keep your focus on the right things. If you focus on the problem and the chaos, then courage is going to dissipate. Fear is going to fade. It's going to dry. I, I, I mean, courage. Uh, uh, if you focus on the problem and the and, and the chaos, then your 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 yeah your courage will dissipate and your faith will dry up. It'll just go. It'll fade away. So instead, focus on God, focus on His goodness, focus on His power, and keep you reminding yourself that God is in control. You do that by maintaining a constant attitude of thankfulness. It says, He took some bread, and then instead of crying out in panic and fear, He took some bread 
and he gave thanks to God before them all. He's turning that focus in the midst of a chaotic situation, a dangerous and threatening situation, and he turns his focus back onto God, giving thanks. You remind yourself of God's power. Isaiah 59.1 says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. We know that verse, but do we know that truth? It's a big difference. And do we really believe it? We answer that by looking at our actions. Can't just lay down and quit in the midst of a storm and chaos. <clears throat> you, you, we, we stand firm in the promises of God, and we stand firm in His Word. See, there is a spiritual battle going on all around us, all the time. Sometimes we're really tuned into it, and sometimes we're not. But there is a spiritual battle surrounding us all the time. What are we going to do when the wind blows and the chaos threatens us? What are we going to do when the perfect storm hits? When the chaos when the chaos around me starts to threaten me, sometimes I just need to stop and remind myself that God's in control of the situation and it's not me. It's not my responsibility. The storm is not in control. I'm not in control, and the storm is not in control. God is. God told the Apostle Paul here, you're going to get through this. He promised him. He said, look, you're going to get through. He didn't say it's going to be easy. didn't say it's going to be pleasant, but he said, you are going to make it through this. And he says the same thing to you and the same thing to me in the midst of our storm. He says, you're going to get through this. I am the one that's in control. See, God's in control of even the most out-of-control situations, and he can redeem any amount of chaos. So where does that lead us? The key to standing strong in a culture of chaos is to take charge wherever and whenever you can take charge. <laughs> take charge wherever and whenever you can take charge. Don't let the chaos dictate who is in charge. See, Paul could have taken the position of a victim. I mean, after all, he hadn't done anything to bring this on. In fact, he tried to warn them. He did all he could to, to uh, avoid it. And he he, he you know, warned them not to put out the sea again, but they ignored him and set sail. So he could have just sat there as a victim and said, well, there's nothing I can do. He could have ad adopted an attitude of, woe is me. I'm in trouble now. I can't do anything. Storm's going to kill us all. He could have, but he didn't. Look at verse 20. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars until at last all hope was gone. All hope of surviving the storm was gone, except for with Paul. Because Paul knew his hope was not in how terrible the storm was, but in how powerful and how good and how present his God was. So while the others had given up hope, Paul stood up 
addresses them. He takes charge. You know, he couldn't stop the storm, but he could stand up and speak with authority because he had God's promise that they would make it through, and that's all they needed was God's promise. When the chaos of life comes crashing in all around us, we need to stand up and take charge over it, not based on the strength that we can muster up in ourselves because we don't have it, but on the strength and the power of the promise of the Word of God. But how do we know what He's promised? We found out in His Word. We get into His Word. See, to start with, there's a couple of promises we have right off the bat. Start with, we have His promise that He will never leave us and He will never forsake us. Write down Hebrews 13, 5. We have that promise. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. In Hebrews 13, 5. That's the promise of his presence. So we know that he's standing with us in the middle of the storm when everything else is crashing in around us. We also have the promise that no matter what is coming against us, his grace is sufficient to see us through it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 is that one. Write that down. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. His grace is sufficient. No matter what is coming at us, no matter what the issue is, no matter what the storm is, no matter what the struggle is, His grace is sufficient. That means more than enough to get us through it. And that's just two promises. But aren't those two good enough really for any situation? So stand up and take charge of what's coming at you. Look at what Paul says in verse 33. You've been so wearied that you haven't touched food for two weeks. Remember, NIV says the last 14 days you've been in constant suspense. Okay, How many of us have been there? Where To the point where our storm, the chaos, all that's going on around us was so intense that we're consumed with it, we can't eat, we can't sleep, we can't rest. We're just getting bombarded. We try to go to bed at night, and the thoughts come in, all of a sudden bombarding us. What about this, and what about this? And something that didn't bother you during the daytime is now there at night just coming in, and boom, boom, and it's constantly bombarding you. When I get those thoughts, I have some scriptures that I go to. You know, one in particular, Isaiah 26, 3, you know, um, uh, that, you know, you look it up when you get home, that I go to and just start going over in my mind, just going over it in my mind, and I'm taking charge of the situation, and, and you know, getting in, and that's part of the thing. But let me give you three other things that you can do in that situation, and the first is take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Verse 33, it says, just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat said, look, guys, you haven't eaten for two weeks. Eat some food. says you're going to need the strength. Christ has been going on for two weeks, and it wasn't over yet, almost, but not yet. And the best thing they could do at this moment would be to tend to themselves physically, to get some food, to strengthen themselves. So Paul told them to eat. See, oftentimes the, 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 the first thing people do in the midst of a crisis is they stop taking care of themselves one way or another. Either they don't eat or they binge on food that's not healthy for them and doesn't give any strength at all, okay? Either they, they, they sleep all day or they don't sleep at all. You know, been to both of those extremes, sleep all day, just can't get up, can't get motivated, 
or you, you, know, you, you go to bed, but you just can't sleep at all, and you're awake all night. Either they completely withdraw emotionally or blow up at every little thing. And we try to medicate the situation with alcohol or with drugs or with you know, food or with shopping or any other number of things that you know, brings us comfort. We try to do that, but we're not really taking care of ourselves. And when you don't take care of your physical body, then you don't have the energy you need to carry you through the storm. That's something the Lord spoke to me. I've already mentioned this you know, earlier this year. He spoke to me and he told me I'm to get fit. So I joined a gym, and I, and I got on a, not just joined a gym, but I got on a workout plan. And it's something that I've known that I was supposed to do for a while, for a long time. But I found all kinds of excuses why I couldn't. And let me tell you, if, if any of you need excuses why you can't work at getting healthy, let me know, because I've got plenty of them that I'm not using anymore. <laughs> all right? I'll be glad to, you know, pass them on. But you, you see... I finally came to the point where the excuses didn't work anymore, and I had to do it, and I had to stick with it. So I did, and I am, and I can tell I'm getting healthier. If there's chaos going on all around you, and you're in a constant state of not knowing what will happen next, my first word to you is this, take care of yourself, eat right, get enough rest, and get some physical activity. Those things will help you, will give you strength, and maintain some kind of emotional equilibrium. Second, encourage you to lighten your load. Lighten your load. Verse 38, after eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. Now, why'd they do that? Well, for one, they didn't need it anymore. It wasn't going to do them any good. What they needed at the moment was for the ship to be lighter so they could move it closer to shore. You know, there are things that, that you and I are holding on to that we need to just let go of. Things that we're grasping tightly to. Things that, you know, maybe we're, we're you know, they're just there in our lives and we need to lighten our load, lighten our lives. We need to let go of them. There's something about a crisis that helps you to define what really matters and what we really need the most. I hear that amen. In order to <laughs> I love it. Don't go out. I love it. <clears throat> In order to stand strong, there're going to be times when it's when it's necessary to rid yourself of unnecessary clutter and useless baggage. You know those things you, you know, I've got at home right now a suitcase you know, that's, you know, a big size suitcase, the biggest size you can take on a plane. It's got, you know, it's, it, it, it's really nice and, you know, has another zipper around the end of it to where it'll expand out if you need it to and that. And it's got a pocket on the bottom up here and then another pocket on the outside up top here. Only one thing wrong with it. The pocket on the top here, the zipper is completely busted off it. Broken. Doesn't work. So you got this, but I haven't gotten rid of it yet. Why? I'm not going to use it, but with a with a you know a, a, a pocket that doesn't work. Because I want like it, and I want to keep it around forever. That's probably it. I'm also a pack rat, you know. Confession time. I am a pack rat. But lately, I've been just been clearing stuff out, off. 
we all have things in our lives that it's like, what is it doing there? We don't need it anymore. It's not helpful anymore. Let's get rid of it. We all have that kind of clutter in our lives. You know, it might be a friendship or a relationship that's not leading us in a good direction. Or a financial obligation that's just draining our resources. Maybe it's, you know, we're wasting time doing things that are preventing us from doing the things that matter the most, and we need to clear out the clutter of our schedule. You may not be able to control all the elements of the storm around you, but you strengthen your position when you lighten your load. Look at your life and ask yourself, what do I really need? And what really matters the most? And then what can I do without? Lighten your load, let go of some of the clutter. Third thing, get ready to do your part. Get ready to do your part. Don't expect God to do everything. See, the boat was approaching, in the, uh, uh, approaching the shore, and then in, in verse thir- 41, but they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of waves and began to break apart. See, they were so close, but they still had maybe a couple hundred yards to go, so they were, and they were still in danger. So what did they do? Luke writes in verse 43, he says, But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plan. See, this is what was going on. The soldier said, hey, let's kill all the prisoners so that you know, none of them escape. We don't want them escape, so we're going to kill them. And then, but in, instead, the commanding officer said, no, he wanted to spare Paul. You know, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. He said, no, you're not going to do away with the prisoners. We're going to, we're going to all make, the, make it through here. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. And others held on to planks or degree, uh, debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. Here's the thing. When you're in the midst of chaos, there are times when you're going to need to swim with all your might. And there are times when you need to hang on to a plank with all your might. But you need to do all that you can in order to get to shore. Um, Some of you are aware that about 34 years ago, um, Lisa's father uh, drowned. Um, He had been out out in the Gulf, had been out to Sanibel Island with his uh, stepson, Lisa's stepbrother, Steve. And um, they were coming back from dinner and a storm rose up, headed back toward Fort Myers, and a storm uh, uh, rose up. There were small craft warnings out, and waves were like 10-foot waves over, the, you know, and they just had this little boat, 10-foot waves, and it got really rough, and, and uh, he fell overboard and started, you know, drifting. You know, Steve is, is, is trying to navigate the boat, trying to get close to him so we you know, can pull him back in. And couldn't quite, you know, in fact, the more he tried to steer the boat, the farther it got away. It was, it was drifting. And so Steve, instead, he jumped in. And he, you know, with, a, with one of the seat cushions for him to hold on to, he jumped in, got to uh, my father-in-law, and um, uh, got him the seat cushion to hold on to. 
and then started swimming back toward the boat. Only the thing is, the storm kept taking the boat farther and farther away, and soon it became obvious to to um, it became obvious to uh, to Steve that the the boat was just going farther. He wasn't getting closer, so he better turn and start going toward shore. So he did. Now, my father-in-law didn't make it. Uh, he was older, he was not in the best of health, and we think at some point he let go. Um, but Steve, uh, he, he was younger, he was stronger, and he's swimming, and he's swimming, and he's swimming. He was swimming as if life depended on it, because it did. And he's in there swimming for hours, trying to get to shore. Now, it's one thing to swim in a pool. You know, I do a lap and I'm winded. It's something else to swim in the ocean. It's still something else to swim in 10-foot waves. Yeah, well, these were like 10-foot waves, and uh, it's, it, was, it was rough. There, so he keeps swimming. Finally, you know, he had to, at one point, he came to a buoy out in the, in, in the water and, and just held on tight to that just to get some rest, just held on for dear life. And then he thought, okay, it's time to, you know, after about an hour maybe of that, it's time to start swimming again, and he kept on going, and he kept on. Finally, hours later, several hours later, made it to, to shore just just went up on shore totally exhausted and collapsed. There are times when we need to swim with all our might or hang on with all our might and not quit and not give up. Grab onto some driftwood grab onto, you know, or maybe dog paddle or whatever to get that final push, to get that final 200 yards to shore. Look at what it is that you need to do and don't quit. Don't say it's hopeless. There's nothing I can do. I quit. I give up. Don't. Just keep going. See, those who stand strong in a culture of chaos are those who refuse to surrender to the chaos. They refuse to just give up and give way to the storm and let it drive them along. And though they may momentarily be a victim of circumstance, they refuse to remain a victim of any kind for any time. Why? Because they know that God is in control. See, the promise wasn't, hey, Paul, don't worry. You're all going to make it fine. It's going to be easy. Storm's going to stop, and all of a sudden, the ship's going to be able to go right in. No. It was, the ship's going to be lost. The cargo's going to be lost. But not one life will be lost. And that's what Paul held on to. 
God was in control. Know that he's going to see you through whatever might come your way. For this reason, during an extended season of not knowing, those who stand strong are able to say, I'm prepared to do my part. I'll take care of myself. I'll lighten my load where I can lighten my load, and I'll swim as far as I need to swim. When I can't swim anymore, I'm, I'm just going to hang on. I'm hanging tight to God's promises, and I know that he's going to see me through because we have no control over the chaos around us, but we do have control over one thing, and that's me. We have control of ourselves. I'd like the worship team to come on up. Chaos is never going to fix itself. And you can't count on the crowd to do it for you. 